Raise your hands if you just like, if you like basketball. Raise your hands if you like basketball. We're about 50, about 70% here. Okay, uh, are the hands still up? Do you all like the NBA specifically? Professional basketball? Okay, that's my jam. No joke, sorry, bad pun. Um, so in 2015, in the NBA, they instituted a new thing. And it's called the last two minute report. Just bear with me. Even if you like basketball and this is brand new news to you, I promise it will hold relevance. Okay. So when there are close basketball games at the very end, close being three points or less within the last two minutes, then the league will issue a last two minute report and they will say, okay, when we made this call, we were right. When we didn't make this call, we were right. When we made this call, we were wrong. And when we didn't make this call, we were wrong, right? So, so the league has this go out. They say, per their website, why does this exist? Well, to build a greater awareness and understanding of the rules and the processes that govern our game. Additionally, it serves as a mechanism of accountability to our fans and the media who seek clarifications after our games. Now, this is all very in the weeds. I know you think this doesn't matter, but so for a lot of teams, they say at the end of the game, y'all missed a huge and crucial call. We got robbed, right? Teams will get irate and they'll say, you, you called this wrong and we lost the game because of it. And now the NBA has an, a report that they issue and they put out and then they will tell the team, yes, you did get robbed or no, you didn't get robbed. And so they have this report that details this. Now, it's a kind of good feeling if your team was the one that got robbed and you have an institution with their games saying, you are right, you should have won right? Like there's a feeling of justification, but that justification's real short-lived because all they do is say, yeah, we see you were right. You still lost. We're not going to go back and change the results. And so if the Rockets have a game that determines if they will make the playoffs, and they lose because of a blown call, then the NBA will tell them in this last two minute report, you were right, you should have won, you should be in the playoffs, sorry, we're not gonna change it. And so the Rockets stand outside in the injustice of it all saying, what good was that report, right? We all desire situations that we are in to actually be seen. But what if they are seen and nothing is done about it? What if they're seen and nothing is done about it? Where is the justice in that? Who is going to rescue us in these situations? Now today, I believe our passage actually answers this. And when we are done, we will see that God sees, God is just, and God will rescue God sees, God is just, and God will rescue. Now keep that goal in mind as Cassie comes up 
and she is going to read our passage for us. Would you guys please stand for the reading of his word? But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when, he, when they sinned, but cast them into hell, and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked for as that righteous man lived among them day after day he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard then the lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despite authority Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, uh, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Thank you, Cassie. Now, there's a lot here. Right? This, was, this was a relatively meaty passage, lots of history. Uh, here in our Hope Established series, we are going through Second Peter. And so we'll continue in it. Now, God has written these words with both life-giving encouragement in them and warnings, right? Both are in here. So at our start, we are reminded God sees, okay? Go to verse one at the start. Peter brings up this idea of false prophets at the end of Jake's passage from last week. He's talking about the words from the Lord that are coming through the prophets are actually words from God. And he says, there were false prophets. So again, a prophet is somebody who brings a word from God and they are the mouthpiece that delivers it for the people. A false prophet is somebody that claims that and is lying, okay? Their words are not true. They are not from the Lord. So Peter then jumps timelines, okay? So this is what happened back then. Now, this is what's happening now. If there were false prophets, there are going to be false teachers. They're gonna come in and claim that they're from God, that they have the word of the Lord, but they are not going to be leading you to God. He says they're going to have what are called heresies. What are heresies? Okay. Heresies in this context, those are teachings that are opposite than Christian teachings that we've been given by Jesus. Okay. They're opposite. They go against him. Okay. A simpler way that I have heard heresies define is Jesus 
and. Jesus and. Okay, so what do I mean by this? Okay, in Christianity, those of us who claim to serve Jesus, we believe that God has come down in the flesh, that Jesus came to live, die, and rise again so that we could be forgiven and through the free gift of that forgiveness receive life everlasting, that we will be made whole in him, okay? The goal then of Christianity is to think, to feel, and to act like Jesus. This is the goal for every one of us who is in Jesus, okay? So that's the Jesus part. Now, any other teaching that comes along, any person that comes along and says, sure, Jesus did all of that, that's great. But if you add on this extra thought or this extra action or this extra feeling, now you will be able to have the satisfaction and joy that you've been chasing after in life. That's the and, right? We'll call this the heretical and, right? Jesus claims I'm enough. And heresy says he's kind of enough and all this other stuff, okay? So if anybody claims that there is an extra thought, action, or feeling that you need to be satisfied or have enough, that's heresy, okay? Jesus and is heresy. Okay, so track with me. God, through Peter, he tells them, hey, these people are coming. Heads up. They came before. They're going to be here. They are not going to represent Jesus, and they are going to claim that something or someone is going to give you satisfaction. Now, what kills me about how Peter phrases this, do you notice he doesn't give a time frame when that will stop, right? There will be false teachers, which means there are false teachers today. There are people who are coming at us saying that something or someone else is going to bring us greater joy and satisfaction than Jesus does. I don't want you to lose heart with this news. I saw some of you kind of nodding your heads like, yep, this is true. Here's the fact. If we are reading this word from God, this is proof that God sees. God sees. He sees what is true and he is warning us about it. He says, be aware. Now, Peter's first promise that there will be false teachers is unfortunately connected to the second promise. And some of you are going to follow them. Verse two, and many will follow their sensuality and, be, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. There will be deceivers. There will be those who are deceived. This is a warning. This is a warning to all believers so, if that's the warning, what's our response? Be on guard. 
right? Be on your guard. Be wise. Like Jesus reminded us in the Gospels, not everybody who comes saying, Lord, Lord, actually represents Jesus. We are supposed to take people's words and their actions and weigh them against what Jesus has taught. Are there people in your mind, when I say that there are false teachers who claim Jesus, are there people that come to mind when I bring this up? Are there people who come claiming Christ or they claim that they are Christians and now they're claiming a whole bunch of things and you're supposed to believe and follow them, right? What is it about them that draws us in? Is it the way they talk? Is it the institutions that they come from? Maybe they're aligned with the political party that you like. Maybe they have a really popular newscast or a podcast and you just take it all in. Slow down. Examine their lives. Examine their words. Examine their actions. Are they claiming something other than Jesus will lead to happiness or satisfaction? If so, heresy. Are they claiming to have extra wisdom that needs to be added to what Jesus said? Okay. If so, false teacher. Are they teaching something that says it's kind of like Jesus, but also it's different? Fine. If so, destruction. Okay? I don't want to soft pitch this. The reality is this is bad. It will lead to pain for you. So run from heresy. Run from it. Treat it like the problem that it is. Don't be light-handed with it. Run from it. God sees us and he's warned us. Be wise. Heed the warning. Okay. Now God, God, through Peter, introduces this idea that he sees. And then he builds on it by showing that God is just. Okay. So if you have your phone with you and you've pulled up 2 Peter chapter 2, or if you've got your paper Bible, you'll see that Peter then launches into three stories and he has this if-then format built into it, right? If-then, right? Like I told the kids earlier and reminding you, if you take notes on your sermon sheet and turn it in later, then you will get a treat, right? If, good work, William, then, if-then, right? So he has three if stories that are all building on each other to a then, all right? So our first if event, verse four, the angels rebel, okay? In this event, the angels tried to overthrow God and take his place. We see this in Isaiah 14. It's referenced here. Satan got a bunch of angels. They rebelled. I know this is gonna be a shocker. They didn't win. They didn't win. God put down the rebellion and imprisoned them in the eternal sense. So if this happened, goes to our second if event, verse five, the flood, right? The watery judgment of Noah's time. 
This one's probably a bit more familiar. The wickedness of humanity had gotten to the point that God said, no more. He saves Noah and his family, refers to Noah as the herald of righteousness. And then through a global flood, wipes out others who rejected God, who were wicked, who came against him. So if that also happened, now our third if event, verses six through eight, the fiery end of Sodom and Gomorrah. You've probably heard of this as well. The wicked inhabitants of two cities went against God. They were opposed to him. And it was so drastic that God came down with fire and wiped out just those two cities. And it says, Lot was righteous and God saved him out of it. The righteous God saved the righteous man and he punished the wicked. So we have three ifs, technically four, if God also rescued Lot, but we'll throw it in there. Three if stories, and we're about to launch into the end, the then. However, go with me. Let's sit with these ifs. I just ran through those. I don't know about you. Uh, have you ever wondered why there are so many stories in the Old Testament about judgment? Has any of, have any of your friends asked you, why are there so many stories about judgment and people being wiped out? Raise your hand if you felt that or your friends have ever asked you about that. Okay, that's a lot of hands. That's more than the NBA fans. So, okay. What if, what if the Bible read like that last two minute report from the NBA? Okay, what if we open the Bible and it tells us this nation had a habit of going around and killing women, killing children, doing horrible and awful things. And what if the Bible said, and God said, I don't like that. And then he did nothing about it. He just let them keep on doing it. He let the evil continue. What would your reaction be? If the NBA has a bureaucratic shoulder shrug to what's happening at the end of their games, this would be tantamount to a divine shoulder shrug. Yeah, guess it's bad. Does this feel right? Would that feel just? Not at all. Not at all. A God who sees but doesn't judge righteously is no God at all. Stories that exist in the Bible that actually show that a righteous and just God bringing justice actually breathes hope into our situations. It breathes hope into our situations because God is just. He judges evil. Evil will not win and we can trust him. God is just and we can trust him. Now, just like the first point, right? There's this wonderful God is just. Yes, there is also a warning accompanying this. The warning comes 
by describing in verse 10, right at the start, those who are opposed to God. And it says, what are their actions like? So it, it gives two phrases. Verse 10a, indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Now I have two columns, nice little, nice little chart for you. So stick with me because it actually goes through the entire passage and it, it's going to grab the examples and it, you, we can slot them here. All right. So, okay. Verse one, it says, deny the master who bought them. Verse three, in their greed. All right. So take the whole of the angel rebellion story and the flood in verses four and five. And then we're going to tack on some verses that are coming up about blasphemy that Cassie read there. People who are blasphemous to God and others. That, all of this falls into the column of despising authority. Despising authority. It's been referencing and building this. The people who act in this way are despising authority. They are opposed to God. And this is how it looks. They don't want to listen. They don't want to honor. Instead, they're going to do what they want, say what they want, and serve their own interest. Okay, now the second column, also in this passage, indulging in the lust of defiling passions. Don't try to say that 10 times fast. It's a mouthful. In verse two, it says they follow their sensuality. And then the visible and audible sensual conduct mentioned in verses six through eight, that gets, lopped, that gets lumped into that whole Sodom and Gomorrah story. So those who are opposed to God indulge, which means allow themselves to be given over to. They indulge the lust of passion that corrupts them. Yes, I know who is present with us. So adults, just listen. They reject what God says about how we are to act sexually and pursue relations with others that God commands stay only between a husband and a wife. They reject it. They run against it. And they say, I don't care what God says. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do what feels good. And I'm going to tell others, you should do it too. So why would this be a warning? Right? I said, the passage, look, I mean, look at the number of verses that are touching on this. This is a big part of the passage. These warnings are serious. If God is just, then he's going to judge those who are opposed to him. If God is just, he will judge those who are opposed to him. Like we mentioned earlier, have we believed any of the lies of those who are opposed to God? Have we adopted our own mindset? Are we reflecting the ways of the judged and not the righteous judge instead? If we are believing and living in the ways of the judge and not the righteous judge instead, remember it only leads to destruction. It only leads to destruction. So if you find yourself there, Run to him. Run to Jesus. Now, praise God. 
that he isn't like the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver. And praise God that the words uh, of the last two minute report that, that God doesn't lack the teeth that Adam Silver has. Because our God sees, our God is just, and our God will rescue. Our God will rescue. He intercedes. He saves. So the life-giving encouragement here comes in verse 9. After that slew of if statements, right? If, 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 then what's going to happen? Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Peter doesn't want the believers to flounder and to lose hope. He doesn't want them to see all of the horrible situations that are happening and say, we're doomed. We are destined to die. Peter says, no, I know that it's bad. It's been worse. God has stepped in. God sees the wickedness and he will save. He will not abandon you and he is not going to leave you against those who oppose him either. Remember the words, remember the hope of Jesus rather. So God in the flesh, he has met every trial that we have gone through and worse and worse. I always want to remind you it's worse, right? Like you're like, Jesus didn't have to deal with social media. (laughs) You're right. He died on a cross. So I think he wins. Okay. Not to belittle what we have to deal with. He dealt with far worse and he overcame it. He overcame it. He has defeated sin and death through all that he has done. Jesus is enough. I want to repeat that real, real clear. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough and there is nothing and no one that can offer us anything that will satisfy us or bring us more joy than he brings to the table. Period. We do not need that heretical and. Jesus is enough. Now, for all of us who just got really excited by the reminder of the salvation that we have been given, there comes the warning with it too. Everyone who opposes God's authority and his ways, those who have not come to repentance in Jesus are destined for destruction. If God sees and God is just, and if God will rescue, then everybody who doesn't know that and who hasn't stepped into that reality sits condemned. Brothers and sisters, we were reminded this past week at a gathering, about 7 million people in Houston, right? They say 50% say that they are evangelical Christians. 50%. Like, wow, three and a half million. That's a lot. You know what that also means? Three and a half million are opposed to God. They have rejected him and they are destined to death. 
that's a lot of the people we know. It's a lot of the people we love. God's justice means they're not going to skate by just because you like them. They don't answer to us. They answer to our creator. And that creator says, I love you. I see you. I am just and I will rescue. The beauty here is not just that God rescues because that's beautiful. The beauty is, is that he's called you and you and you. He has called every single one of us to participate in calling people back to him. We have actually been gifted this amazing grace to go and let people know about our king. Tell others about Jesus. It's simple. Tell others about Jesus. If we know that there are people who are far from him, run to them. Run to them. Put some emphasis on your steps and your words. Show your friends that they are loved by the king. Okay. Our calls to action today, if you've been paying attention, I've been sprinkling them throughout Run from heresy, run to God, and run to those who don't know them. Run to those who don't know him. So call to action, this first one, run from heresy. What's, what's one source in your life that's feeding you ruin? I mean, let's just call it what it is. What's one source in your life that's just feeding you ruin? Here's my challenge, cut it out. Cut it out of your life and then go and tell another believer what you've done and why you've done it. Cut the heresy out of your life. I didn't say cut people out of your life because there's a lot of people who say dumb things in your world, I promise. Sometimes I'm probably one of them. So please don't cut me out of your life. But if people are going to bring heresy, cut it out of your life and then tell a believer what you've done and why you've done it. Okay. Second thing, run to God. Run to God. Okay. Let's substitute the time that we were spending with that heretical and. Okay. We've cut it out of our life. Now let's fill it. What are you going to fill that time with? Dr. Jake challenged us last week to read through the book of John in three weeks, all right? You now have two weeks left on that challenge. I promise you, you can, you can do it after the two weeks, but read the gospel of John. Familiarize yourself with who Jesus is and what he has done. If you're not sure how to think, feel, and act like Jesus, go read about him and find out, how do I grow like Jesus? Run to God. Lastly, Run to those who don't know him. Tell one person, tell one person where you live, where you work, where you study, where you play. Tell them the goal of today's message. That when you walk out of here, that you are reminded that God sees, God is just, 
God will rescue. Find one person this week and tell them that. My encouragement, pray before you go and talk to them. Talk to them and then pray for them afterwards, right? This is not on your shoulder. Everything is a move of God. Again, heard a wonderful speaker this week and he reminded us, not once has there been a perfect gospel presentation. Every single one of them is flawed, guaranteed. And every single time that somebody comes to Christ, it is 100% on the Lord. So rest on that. Run to them and all your brokenness and bring them the good news because it is he who saves. So how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond to this? Pastor David, will you come up and lead us in our time of response?